1864, Custer married Elizabeth Bacon, the prettiest girl in Monroe, Michigan, where both of them had lived as children. After the wedding, except for when he was on campaign, he kept his Libby by his side literally impossible. Even when they had a meal, alone together, they would sit side by side rather than opposite ends of the table. But there was a paradox. Possessive though he was of his wife, Custer may have not himself been above dalliance. After the Battle of Washita, he made a Captain Indian girl his mistress. Oh, he actually went and did it. Well, Captain Indian girl, that's not a mistress. That's a hostage. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> fuck. But skipping skipping that, then it goes to that one I talked about last time with the, with the taking the women with the elk, elk teeth. Mm-hmm. But talking about his animals. Customer tamed and prized an extraordinary Customer. range of animals. Customer. An extraordinary range of animals, from a mouse that ran playfully through his abundant hair to a wolf that tore the sheets off his clothesline. At one, at one time, he had a pack of 40 dogs, and he spoiled them outrageously. For Libby, the dogs were not so much pets as trials. When the Custers moved from one post to another, if the dogs got tired, George would insist on piling them into her wagon. When the caravan stopped to eat, the animals had to be beaten away with, from the food with sticks. And at night, Libby shared her tent with the whole pack. If I secured a place in the bed, she wrote, I was fortunate. <laughs> Thank Sounds you. awesome. Thank you, Time Life Old West series. I've got 40 dogs. Well, yeah. 41, counting Libby. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. What an asshole. What a fucking scumbag. <laughs> God damn, dude. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. And the USA. USA. Uh, oh man. Oh, uh, really quick before we kick this shit off. Um, I wanted to say I got a message on uh, on Instagram. I got a, a DM that was from. Uh, let's see what the screen name is. Tuckmuck Farm, T-U-K-M-U-K-F-A-R-M. Mm. And uh, this person could not get the Fuck You, Mile City jingle out of their head. Oh, cool. So I cut the Mile City jingle into a like text or ringtone that you can put on your phone because they wanted it. So I sent it to that person. And so if anybody out there is listening and can't get enough of that sweet, sweet, stupid jingle, uh, just DM <laughs> us on Instagram and I'll send you an MP3 you slap into your phone. Ooh, you're setting yourself up for it. <laughs> it's like you don't know it right now, but it's like the number one dance hit in like Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to remix that song with a with yeah. <laughs> it has dance and you can beat to it. Yeah. Welcome back to How the West Was Fucked. How the Part two of Old Greasy Grass. Old Greasy Grass or the Battle at Little Bighorn. Uh, Previously, we had what talked a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend that is Fanny Custer. Fanny 
Custer, otherwise known as George Armstrong, Augie. Augie. Augie Custer. Um, complex character full of rich notes of douchebaggery. <laughs> Some competence, but mostly seems like a lot of horseplay. Yeah. Um, possibly a little bit rapey if, you know... If the circumstances were right, uh, he, he like he's straight up like a frat boy, yeah, with like a little bit less uh, Keystone Light, uh, an- animal lover, like animal lover, uh, like <laughs> like like fo- Ace Ventura, fo- forty dogs, yeah, and share a bed with his animals. wife, yeah, yeah. We got him up to the Battle of the Rosebud, yeah, but he wasn't at Battle of the Rosebud. Right. That's crook. Sorry, we got the story up to the Battle, and of the we've already done an episode at, about Rosebud, and that's the before Greasy Grass. Episodes. So if you listen to that one, this is about the time when Crook decides to go uh, south into Wyoming and go uh, trout fishing and playing, and cards. playing cards for several after years. After the Rosebud. After, yeah. That's what I'm saying, after the Rosebud. Yep. <clears throat> oh, are we going to like do a recap of the Rosebud? Just, just a quick one, I guess. Okay. There was a fight. There was a fire fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, let, we'll kick it off with the comics and yeah. some lovely NPR voice. Uh, but before they attack... Lakota and Cheyenne. Sitting Bull decides to have an early sun dance. Yes. It's never now, it's too early to have a sun dance. Most sacred of religious ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sitting Bull's adopted brother, Jumping Bull, used an awl, AWL, to oh, remove 50 pieces of small flesh right. from one arm. Little match head sized chunks of flesh exactly. out of his arm. Yeah, yeah. 50 from he, another. If he used an owl. <laughs> And that would have been <laughs> violation of several laws. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, I missed my appointment. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't know. I must have loaned this to him, and he must have used that as a bookmark. Oh, got it. <laughs> I thought that was the, what was the card I, I scored in, in Oregon? Oh, the sexual it was the, uh, hypnotist or whatever. No, <laughs> like, it's, no it's much worse. It's the male, I, masturba- I male masturbation research uh, researcher guy. I'd say sexual hypnotist is probably <laughs> on a si- similar par. You're getting very sleepy. I'm not undoing your trousers. So Sitting Bull danced around the pole for hours. Oh, yeah. I don't know uh, what kind of... He was probably listening to the Fuck You, Miles City song. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the thing was, okay, I just literally read about this this morning. Uh, It's in the other one, uh, uh, the the Great Chiefs issue of the uh, Vaunted Time Life Old West series. And it describes more or less in detail. Now, the thing is, it's in detail. I don't know. He was, like, transcribing this. Right. You know, the Lakota were not known for keeping meticulous notes about their religious ceremonies, especially, you know. But um, it was described as, like, he had had a dream which told him he needed to do this. Um, And uh, it's not just a pole. It was a tree that they selected that was meant to be a symbolic enemy, which was... Had its limbs hacked off first while it's standing. It had to have a Y fork in it. Limbs hacked off. Um, was then cut down and transported to a site where um, they had to carry it on poles because you couldn't touch it with your hands unless you were a holy man of some type. Mm-hmm. So they carried it there and they painted it. Uh, I don't think it was the traditional like four colors you see in a lot of stuff, but it was like you know one side was green, one side was yellow. You know, so they you know they split it into the four corners, which is a common. Um, at least Plains Tribe kind of religious iconography, you know, the four cardinal directions type thing. So they did that and then planted it in the ground like a pole. So it's not just like some fucking pole. It's like a very deliberately 
made religious object, you know. They right, like, right. It was specific uh, design. But uh, he described his vision. Many soldiers falling, falling on upside down yeah, into the village. Yeah, that's right. And it would be a great victory. And a voice warned him not to loot the soldiers' bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that'll fuck things up. So for the rest of the day, Sitting Bull's arms were too swollen and was too old to fight in the upcoming battle it's anyway. It's actually pronounced so swole. Swole. He was just too yoked. So June 17th, Crook moved out, then stopped to rest and send men ahead to reconnoiter. Then reconnoiter, the, Tony. I would <laughs> Son of a bitch. So the men relax and take a break. Uh, Crook settled in for a game of whist, which is kind of odd behavior for being so close to enemy camp. Not if you cook. Just nervous tick, man. When I get nervous, I just I, I, I play whist. I play cards, you know? <laughs> so Sitting Bull's men have traveled all night over the next six hours. I drove all night. <laughs> so over the next six hours, Crook's 1,300 men battled 700 non-treaties. Indians. Fought over hills and ravines, so each side would kind of charge, uh, and then charge back and charge back and forth. Then that was uh, when the Cheyenne woman saved her brother, so that would be known as that for not long. Just a little battle of the girl saved her brother. Yep. yep. But Crook thought the camp was closer than it was, so he orders half the cavalry back to attack it. Uh, but the Lakota slash Cheyenne were inspired by the withdrawal and fell upon the battalion as it fell back. But a counter charge by Crook's Shoshone stopped it, so they were saved right. by the Shoshones. But another problem developed. A battalion led by Lieutenant Colonel Royal, uh, Crook's cavalry commander, was surrounded. Then he received orders to go back. So basically he just charges through the rear of the Indians, which kind of surprises him. Well, that's what, yeah. They were stuck in a dryer. That's like, uh, you know, you got the NFL going on, and you just there's a linebacker the behind the <laughs> offensive quarterback. So. so then the Indians begin retreating through the hills. Uh, Crook told them to chase them, but they gave up pretty quickly, maybe five or ten yards or so. So Crook now led a march downstream to where he thought the village was, but his scouts uh, kind of stopped at the narrow canyon, saying this is a... Great place to get a get, fucking ambush going. Yep. <laughs> And then they convinced Crook to fall back. Play some more whist. Mm-hmm. But by this time, the Lakota are back in their village celebrating their win. Uh, kind of cut it off early since they rode all night and they're hungry. Yeah. And they're not stupid. They're not Cindy Lauper. Yep. <laughs> so Crook reported 10 dead, 20 wounded. He was low on rations and ammo. They expended 25,000 cartridges during that battle. Holy That's shit. And that, once again, that's these, trap, ten people. that's these trapdoor Springfield, so that's relatively slow rate of fire. Yeah. That's a lot of shooting. I mean, you, it's a lot of guys. You but can buck a, off one, and then you got to reload. Yeah, I mean, it. I think, I mean, you can still, even with those, you can get off like, I think it's something like 15 shots a minute. Oh, shit, if, okay. If, if your rifle's working correctly, and you have right. a trained guy, right, and, right. you know, everything goes perfectly. It's and not it's like a fucking muzzle 70, 71 degrees and no yeah, it's rain. Like, yeah, flip the thing open. Pull out the cartridge, put in a new cartridge, snap it back shut, shoot, yeah. repeat, repeat. So it's not it's not as quick as a lever action or a bolt action, but it sure as fuck beats like yeah, ramrod and yeah, all that stuff. So low on stuff, Crook saw no choice but turn south. But within a few days, the Crow and Shoshone scouts left disgusted with Crook and called him quote a squaw chief. Oh, burn, motherfuckers! So also, this is kinda, when kind of transphobic, too, yeah, mm-hmm. guys. 
So clean Kirk, it up, clean it up, Croshonies. <laughs> Shouldn't have probably done that though. Uh, Crook spends the next six weeks waiting for reinforcements and supplies, but spent much of the time hunting, fishing, and playing baseball. That's the thing is, yeah, you don't need supplies when you're catching 100 trout an hour or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. kind of ludicrous trout he was catching in that episode. So news of the battle reached Sheridan uh, on June 23rd. Hey. In his report, Crook claimed a victory, though the Lakota left on their own. <laughs> yeah! And don't come back, or you get more of the same, Lakota. <laughs> We're bored. Yeah. Bye. Uh, it wasn't until July that Crook sent out Gerard, the scout, in order to find the Lakota camp. Crook also made no attempt to tell Terry or Gibbon about the size or ferocity of well, the... Gibbon just screeches and throws his own feces when they yeah. try to tell him anything, so it's something deaf ears. So word doesn't get to Terry until July 9th. That actually came from Sheridan, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. So about 20 warriors were lost in the battle, and, quote, we knew that we had defeated him because he turned back, end quote, and that was Oglala He-Dog. Oh, yeah, He-Dog. Still trying to find his cool-ass signature. So the Dakota Calm, Custer's Calm, reached the Powder River June 7th. A freak snowstorm delayed him for two days. Gotta love that. June 7th. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, you kind of, you missed that. Yeah, kind of, yeah. like... Yeah, it just didn't work in my head. Well, that's why they call it the Powder River, right? No, they call it because there's barely any fucking water in it. Uh, you, most of the year. Yeah, it's, it's, you cross a lot of those little tributaries coming out the Yellowstone. You've seen it. You've driven yeah. across. And it's, yeah, it's like real sandy, dirty, with a little trickle of water. So Gibbon and Terry meet up, and Gibbon told Terry of the camp they saw. Using sign language like Coco the Gorilla. The notion of the killer ape may be politically incorrect, but that's not to say it's untrue. Gibbons' men weren't doing much either. They were there kind of to stop and escape. But the Lakota slash Cheyenne seemed unfazed. Uh, and then they were there and continued to steal horses from Gibbon. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Terry directed the captain of the Far West, Grant Marsh. Yeah. To the mouth of the powder to establish a new supply depot there. Uh, Marsh had to dissuade Libby Custer from coming along. God damn it. Saying that there wasn't enough room. <laughs> well, yeah, for her and her 40 dogs she's forced to sleep with. So they knew the Lakota village to be west or on the Rose, Rosebud. So the Rosebud's further east than mm-hmm. the little bighorn there. Um, he asked uh, Mitch Boyer to guide the way up to... The powder. Was he was just, trimmed, uh, trained by Jim Bridger. I was just looking at a picture of Mitch. Yeah, because Mitch is what, half crow, half white? Something like that? Something like that. So at first, uh, Terry sends out Major Reno. Oh. He's got a dope hat. Cool. With two woodpeckers. I know it looks like ears. Oh, yeah. But he's a uh, picture of Mitch Boyer. He's got like, kind of like a fur hat kind of ordeal. But, like, poking up out of the top, like, horns or ears is uh, two uh, woodpeckers. Yeah, that's fucking So that's, that's how you do a hat. Put a bird on it. <laughs> yep. Put a bird on it. So they would send out Major Reno and not Custer, uh, who was probably testing Terry's patience at the time, because Custer wants to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Custer thought the recon was unnecessary and addressed it in an anonymous dispatch to the New York Herald. Because you should always, like, talk about military maneuvers to the newspaper. Mm-hmm. He believed the Indians were further west, which he's is right. right. 
But Terry told Reno to go down to the Tongue River, which is a little further south, mm-hmm. and avoid the Rosebud, where he thought the village might be, not to scare him off, which makes sense. So go find them where they're not. Mm-hmm. The map they used from was from 1872 and not complete, because the surveyors were... Killed ran by Indians. Off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here there be... Look, go down. Find the Holy Grail in the castle of... Uh, what? So, uh, Reno deviated from orders and went to the Rosebud. He was shit-faced. Yep. Only to find two old camps and the Indians headed south. So, at this this same time, the Indians were battling Crook. Uh, Reno listened to Boyer's claim that the village being no more than a day or two march away. But rations were low and the horses were tired. So, Reno turns back. And two days march back up there across Gibbon's column on the Yellowstone. So, mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, Gibbon was leading infantry, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, of course, cavalry moves faster than infantry. Custer, meanwhile, took his troops down to the Tongue River, along with whiskey, but he didn't bring his band that time. Ah, what are they supposed to do while they're drinking? Yeah, man. These so musicians need to get paid. They need work, too. They couldn't play Gary Hohen, their favorite song. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, they left their sabers behind, too. Well, that was common because very seldom were you going to get in saber-using distance, in, in, you know, at least in the past. I mean, if you're going to get a chance to use a saber on somebody, it was probably a non-combatant because anybody that's actually, like, fighting you is on horseback, on right. a faster horse, less laden with shit. So, yeah, a lot of times they would just leave them behind altogether, like, off a campaign. But Except for uh, Lieutenant Charles du Rodeo, who thought they were good for killing snakes. It's not, I mean, not a bad idea. Good, great. Why What's his a, fucking why name? Do rodeo. <laughs> that sounds like, yeah, he made it up on the spot. Mm, Mark, do rodeo. <laughs> yeah. I just like, like, you gotta kill all the snakes. Like, you gotta, can't go around them. Like, I mean, I spent the majority of my early life in this country. Uh, never Sidestepping snakes. I, barely. I mean, like, catching them catch him yeah or you just go around him no i think he's like dabbling with the uh, being you know serial killer well, you're gonna start with it's animals. just the 1800s if it's an, a- an animal you kill it right mm-hmm. uh custer they camp at the last uh, winter's lakota camp Ooh. uh there they see the desecrated uh uh oh they desecrate the remains hanging in the scaffolds oh well, of course because you got they're that. desiccated by now but now they desecrate them desiccate Desiccated, desiccated, created. Defecated. Def- they probably defecated to des-, des. Shit. Shit, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to desecrate, they defecate on the. Decimated remains. Not decimated, desiccated remains. And they. <laughs> underestimated the decimated. <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't know you were a rapper. <laughs> yep. Don't conflagrate the. Desiccate. Please don't Just tap self, on the glass. Self-flagellate. <laughs> uh, Custer ordered interpreter Isaiah Dorman to pull down one corpse and throw it in the river. <laughs> That's you know, so for fuck, fun. That is for like fun. fucking so fucked up. Hey, man, uh, I know you're not actually even a soldier or anything. Can you go dig up that old lady's grave and huck it into the street for me? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> Later, Custer was seen fishing in the same spot. 
Oh, my God. He's using Grandma for chum? Oh, maybe it was Dorman that was fishing in the same spot. Oh, I don't know. fuck's sakes. Either way, the Rookeras saw this and accused Dorman of using the corpse as bait, yeah. which was a bad omen. That's, yeah, no shit. So that's what he fucking did. Dorman that was fishing there, sorry. Oh, uh, Custer. fuck. Damn it. That's fucked up. So Terry was mad at Reno for disobeying orders and not his orders not to go on the Rosebud. Uh, Custer was mad at him because he didn't get more info, even though he saw the trail heading south. Uh, Custer wrote another scathing anonymous letter to the New York Herald. What a fucking douche. <laughs> he wouldn't even put his name on him? Ah, someone told me that General Pe- Terry's a dickhead. Yeah, people are saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. some people are saying that Major Reno's a drunk and <laughs> Terry has his head way up his ass. <laughs> Benteen's a... Fucking eunuch. And <laughs> uh, but at least Terry realized the importance of Reno's info, at least that they were not on the Rosebud. So he changed up his plan. He also learned that uh, agency Indians were joining the group from all the different trails. Free agent Indians. No contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Indians were now believed to be on the headwaters of the Rosebud, Bighorn or Little Bighorn. So Just a little bit further three. south. Uh, Terry's Crow Scouts reported seeing smoke in the valley of the Little Bighorn. Oh, and uh, this pictured here, Tony, is... Oh, that's not Terry's Crow Scouts. Those are Custer's Crow Scouts, including Bloody Knife. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just casual. Notice how Custer gets a chair. Of course. I want you guys uh, to watch me while I read this book. Yeah. <laughs> Point at the map like you're doing something. Also, have your pistol in your hand, even though we're in camp. <laughs> So Custer was to go up the Rosebud, cross over to the Little Bighorn. Uh, Gibbon was to stay at the Yellowstone to cut off the retreat. Uh, And the steamer would go up the Bighorn, the far west, as far as possible. Maybe to the Little Bighorn. Then they hoped Crook would block the way from going south. Hope in one hand and shit in the other (laughs) because he's busy playing whist and trout fishing. Yep. Uh, for his part, Custer was elated to be leading his own command. I'm the happiest boy in the whole USA. <laughs> uh, Terry would stay behind. Oh, this is when Custer was offered Gatling guns, but refused them. Oh, they, yeah, I imagine they probably had him sitting on, like, the far west. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want Gatling guns, huh? <laughs> New model. Uh, Gimmon also told Custer to let his Montana column get a chance to fight. Custer just laughed at him. Yep. <laughs> He does this twice, actually. Yep. Custer ordered his command stripped down to the essentials. Underwear and shower shoes. <laughs> and uh, a hat. Gotta have a hat. And oh, a pelican. Yeah. yeah. Pack mules would carry 15 days of rations, uh, 50 extra rounds of ammo per man. Which is fucking ludicrous. <laughs> well, basic combat load now is, what, 180 rounds and 30, like, it's a magazine for standard M4 is 30 rounds. Right. So they're, they're total... They're fucking... carrying like a mag and a... Like little little more than a mag and a half yeah. of ammunition compared to what we carry today. Jeez. Now, once again, you know, the rate of fire significantly slower. Sure. You know, but... And each man would carry 12 pounds of oats for his horse. Mmm, oats. Custer would basically... He put all battalion and wig organizations... Canceled, so everybody would report directly to Custer. Oh, no. Just consolidate all the power. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Sounds like the fucking, what's his name? The Antarctic Explo- Exploration Expedition. Yeah. Oh, no, that, you're that talking about guy. not Shackleton. Uh, the one we just did. Uh, Wilkes. Yeah, Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah. 
So later, Custer and Benteen get into it. Uh, Benteen seemed to have started it when he said he hoped he'd be better supported than he was at the Washita when he got his friend, Mr. Elliot, killed. Mm. Them's fighting words. Uh, Custer, in turn, taunted Benteen about killing a young boy in battle. <laughs> Wait, like he was like, oh, I'm not the one that killed a child. Yeah. Except, Except for I probably totally did. did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some troops made out their wills to others' derision. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Captain Morse tried to talk Charlie Reynolds out of going, who had an infected thumb. He was a kind of a famous scout. Mm-hmm. And he foresaw that he wouldn't be coming back. He also tried to talk Boston uh, Boston Custer to, out of going, but failed. Yeah, because that's the cousin, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, I'm, I'm here hanging out with... No, that's uh, not... Audie uh, Reed's the cousin. Uh, oh, Boston is the youngest brother, 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 brother yeah. who they all played practical jokes on. Yeah. I'll Which actually, them, they, have they think they have a, the Boston Custer house is still there. Uh, one of the officer housing, but yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Marsh didn't put enough uh, stat points into charisma. Before you well, went up on the far Marsh, Marsh isn't military either. He's the fucking sure. bus driver. Yeah, he's the he's the pirate bus driver. So these guys are like cool guy, big dick, Civil War fucking dudes. Yeah. And this is the bus driver like, hey, man. Nah, this is fucking dope. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So the next morning, Custer leaves, gets on his horse named Dandy. Mm. One of two that he brought. Good war horse names. Rose Petal. Yeah. yeah. I'm Fanny Sh- Custer. This, this is, is my sh- war horse, sugar, Dandy. Sugar Cube. <laughs> Uh, of course, this is, as he was leaving again, uh, Gibbon shouted, Now, Custer, don't be greedy and wait for us. Right, right. Custer laughed just like the evening before, and he said, No, nope, I, I will not. not. I will not. What a douche. So they brought along 175 mules who were still tired from the Reno march and were uncooperative. And also un- unstabbed at this point. <laughs> yeah. For a change. Good on them. Uh, Custer took only two of his dogs along, named Tuck and Blucher. And Frau, Frau, Frau Blucher. Blucher? And a bulldog of Keo's named Joe Bush. What? What was the horse's name? Like uh, Tom, Tom, not Tom Hanks, Fanny Hanks, or? Yeah. Oh, Nancy Hanks. Nancy, Nancy Hanks. Hanks. What's what the full-on human names for? The, also, just picturing a bulldog in that part of Montana, like following mounted. God damn it, that must be miserable. Although bulldogs weren't built like they are now. Either like even the English bulldogs weren't as like short legged and stuff in those days and didn't have as smushed of faces, but I just don't see that doing very well. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, reservation Indians joined their non-treaty friends. Dude, Blucher, I looked it up in Merriam-Webster. Blucher is like like shoes. Just it's like a type of shoe. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> So that's rolled the size of the camp to 8,000 people and 2,000 men of fighting age. Uh, two of the hunk papas, uh, most respected warriors, were there. Gaul and Crow King yeah. came off the reservation. Crow King is a cool name if you say it correctly, but it sounds terrible if you say it too fast. Smile King and non-smile King. <laughs> <laughs> Another hunk papa that was there was uh, Rain in the Face. Oh, that's that, I love always love that name, too. Mm-hmm. You can just picture this guy. Like, nothing serious is going on, but it's, like, just shitty weather. Everybody else is chilling in the teepee, like, eating stew and doing the thing. He's like, nah, just standing there like, You know what it reminds me of? Okay, we have all that hurricane shit going on now. And this guy shows up, it seems like, every time there's a hurricane hit in Louisiana. Have you seen the metal guy? No. It's just, it's happened a few storms. It's just this dude 
like blasting like fucking Slayer, head banging with an American flag, no shirt on, and just blue shorts. <laughs> He'll be like in the middle of the road, fucking just with the hurricane going on. Blasting like, in his face. Old glory. Oh, like, that's kind of what I picture rain in the face. Hell yeah. Kind of. Like Lieutenant Dan? You yeah. this a fucking star? Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, rain in his face has always been one of my favorite. It's right up there with Heat Dog. Yeah. Uh, he was once arrested by Tom Custer the year before for killing two civilians, but he had to escape Fort Lincoln. You trying to tell me that's illegal? Yeah. He vowed revengeance against Tom Custer. Ooh. <laughs> Mark my words, Tom Custer. You're like you get you get out of jail or you get out of prison for like robbing a bank, and then you like vow a fucking blood oath on whatever cop like actually brought yeah. you in for processing. All right, Officer Quilneen. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Walness, <laughs> you're fucking dead. Stephen, yeah, I was trying to make a bat. I came up with Quillian, you came up with Walness. I don't think I've ever heard either of those. <laughs> Anyways, if anybody's out there looking for baby names, Stephen Walness, DM us. <laughs> Walness, that, that's a great first name. Griff, you can. What the fuck is your name? Walness. Walness. <laughs> Uh, Wait, what's the one you said? Uh, I, like Quilney. Oh yeah, Walness Quilney. That's my name. <laughs> Walness. So Wall has a certain Walness about it. Yeah. Or it's like it's a something that happens to your anus when it seals shut. Starts or no, your mouse seals shut and the anus starts talking on its own like a, a naked lunch or something. Yeah, there you go. Great. Assy <laughs> McGee. Yeah. So along uh, with the Lakota and the Cheyennes, uh, so actually they have uh, kind of a whole bunch of people, a few Dakota and Nakota from the Minnesota uprising, mm -hmm. still with them from 10 years before. Uh, they brought some Assiniboines who kind of intermarried with them, even though they're kind of traditional enemies of the Lakota. They also had some gross ventures and some uh, Arapahoes too. Yep. Damn. So just a... We are the world of, and of course, are, every tribe people of, that are done taking shit. Every tribe of the Lakota were there, uh, and uh, about hundred lodges of Northern Cheyenne. Uh, most men still carried bow and arrows, but the trade of rifles increased uh, a lot in the last ten years. Between a third and a half of the warriors had a gun of some sort. There's probably a couple of those dads that, you know, like w when they switch from like the flat screen TV, you know, from the tube TV to the flat screen, we don't need it. The picture is perfectly fine on the, you know. Yeah, like, right. What the hell would I want all those smelly loud contraptions for? I got a perfectly good bow and arrow here. I've killed so many buffalo with this. <laughs> <laughs> so two young Cheyenne cousins, Wolf Tooth and Bigfoot. Mm. Yes. Uh, they hid their horses outside those camp that night. Name a kid. Fucking A. They would ride out to see if the, uh, they could find whites if they come. Uh, the leaders decided to let the whites come to them, and if they wanted to talk peace, they would listen. If they wanted war, they would get it. I think they got it. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> That's like kind of the, the just straightforward simplicity of the native approach. Like, if you want war, you'll get it. <laughs> uh, Custer leaves with 31 officers, 578 enlisted men, 45 scouts and guides. That's all told about 660 men. One pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, six Crow Scouts kind of led the way there. Oh, yeah. God. I thought you said Girl Scouts. Want to buy some Samoas? <laughs> Custer wore a fringed buttskin or buttskin butt <laughs> jacket and pants. Just jiggling all over the place. <laughs> Fucking fringed buttskin. <laughs> 
I saw the picture of it in your yeah, book. Say, isn't that what Cardi B? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Buffalo Bill designed it. Yeah. Was <laughs> he a great big fat person? So six or seven other officers, and both his brothers wore similar coats of mm-hmm. buttskin. Buttskin. Uh, he had his trademark red scarf. Uh, though he got rid of his long hair when he left Fort Lincoln, though, so he didn't Damn have long it, hair. Man, somebody really missed out on a good scalping opportunity. Stick around for more How the West Was Fucked. Well, come on down to Custer's Last Hot Dog Stand, Miles City's number one place to eat. We have Polish dogs, Chicago dogs, chili dogs, and our world-famous Custer dogs. You know, when Colonel Custer was killed, his genitals were cut off and put in his mouth? Kind of fucked, right? Well, let us pay tribute to that by giving you a phallic meat to put in your mouth. That's Custer's last hot dog stand. You'll relish the experience. Caution, hot dogs may contain trace amounts of penis. Uh, Each soldier carried a single shot. Breach loading 1873 Springfield carbine. Duh. <laughs> Although Custer, a lot of times, didn't. Like, he, he had some other shit that he'd carry. Yeah, he had a Remington sporting rifle. Yeah. Which a hunting is, knife and a beaded scabbard. Which is always great because, you know, every you know the Army kind of thrives on, I don't know, if you need bullets, you can just grab them from any gun. Mm-hmm. And he's got his cool guy fancy gun that... You know, he has to have separate bullets for. Yep, and then he had two stubby English revolvers on his belt. Ooh, fancy. He thought the Army Issue 45 was, the handle was too short. Oh, for his big man hands? Mm -hmm. So Custer rounded up his officers the first night. Uh, He didn't tell anyone about the extent of the plan, and that was to meet Gibbon at the mouth of the Little Bighorn on the 26th. So now they're going up the Rosebud as far as they knew. Uh, Custer told them they might face between 1,000 and 1,500 warriors. Don't worry, they'll all be pussies and run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Custer ended the conference by asking for any suggestions. How about we don't do this? <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of unheard of. He was normally kind of confident. Now he is asking for help. No, I mean, uh, black hat, white hat, uh, I don't really care about what you think about the tactics. Like the red scarf with the buckskin, that's not too much, right? How does it look with this stubby English revolver? I was thinking about getting my hair cut. I'm just picturing him with like a Chelsea. <laughs> just bangs. A nice, nice. Shaved head and bangs. A nice perky bob. <laughs> Page boy. Yeah. Look at something. Marilyn Manson. Get a fucking perm. So yeah, after Custer's asking for help, uh, Lieutenant Wallace told Lieutenant Godfrey, quote, I believe Custer will be killed. <laughs> Godfrey asked why, and Wallace said, uh, quote, I never heard of him talk like that before. Like he's a little scared. Ooh. That they know that they're attacking 2,000 Indians. But they follow the Rosebud the next day, finding a few huge old camps, some of them with fires still smoldering. Oh, that's got... Man, that's got to just warm your fucking... the cockles of your little heart. Like, okay, let's count these uh, teepee rings. Uh, oh, yeah, that's still that's still a warm fire. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, can see where horses just peed. Like, it's still foaming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that night around 9, Crow Scouts came back with the news that the trail turned west and crossed the divide into the Little Bighorn. Uh, it seems that the camp was on the lower part of the stream, not the upper part of it, like they thought. Uh, Don't cross the streams. Mm-mm. It was Terry's order for Custer to go the tongue before the Little Bighorn. Yeah, 
always go to the tongue. They, they really appreciate that one. <laughs> uh, but feeling he was close, Custer did not follow that order. He also didn't see out the upper stretch of Tullock's Creek. To what? Tullock. Tulock. Oh, okay. I heard Tullock's, which is like the shit you cover your amplifier in. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, bumpy stuff. But he did send a, down a scout named Herndon to Gibbon with the intelligence. <laughs> but Custer would follow the trail. So he's hot on the trail. Good for him. Literally picturing him with like a fucking magnifying glass like Snoopy when he's wearing his... Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. Yeah. So the crow scouts come back again. They tell Custer of a hill that they use for a lookout that they could see down the little Bighorn Valley. And in the morning, they could see smoke from the, all the fires in the camp. So the Custer told the chief of scouts, Charles Varnum, to go with them to this hill that they were hoping that they could see stuff from. They left about nine that night. About 9.30, Custer told his officers of the plan to cross the divide to the Little Bighorn. Later in the night, they concealed the column the next day and reconnoitered the exact location and particulars of the village, which they really didn't do. No. And attacking the morning of the 26th at daylight, uh, they said they'd move out at 11 p.m. So that's nice. You get a... What? Like you're almost so at nine thirty. He's like, night. "All right, here's the plan. Uh, we're moving out now. Go. Two, we're moving out in two hours. <laughs> yeah, right. I Fuck. mean, frankly, that shit. When I was in the army, that shit would happen. with sure. a degree of regularity. Yeah, but also like you know, you my vehicle wasn't about to die and yeah, and you you weren't like sleep deprived and about to go. Oh, like, you're totally sleep deprived. But, all, but you, I haven't been on fucking horseback and yeah. like eating hardtack for right. a month either. And, and you're not about to go like, all right, we're gonna go murder all those fucking people over there. Let's go. I mean, Eyes on me. sometimes that happens, but not murder all the... Well, it depends on you guys. But, like, uh, no, it's just uh, just the idea of, like, you know, in the time of no flashlight, no night vision... Yeah. You're relying on lan- lanterns and candles. Although, yeah. you know, on a, go- on a good moonlit night on the prairie, you can see a long ways. Sure. You, know, you get that, what they call a rustler's moon. Mm-hmm. You know, but the thing is, so can everybody else, and I'm going to have to believe that the indigenous personnel were probably a little more good at it yeah than, i feel than, like the- than than hans Fritz from you know recently arrived in america that sure. joined the seventh cavalry for not to starve you yeah. know well like you said progress was slow and horses oh, fell shit. into ravines Ow. oh fuck cactus oh <laughs> oh a lot of that <laughs> fucking indians are just like fuck are they doing over there? There's horses like <laughs> rear-ending each other. That shit, I mean, I have had to ride in the dark sometimes when we do like trail ride shit, like when we'd go down to the Black Hills ride. And it sucks. I mean, your horse can see better in the dark than you can, but they're still like a daylight animal. It's not like your dog, you know, generally can see pretty good in the dark. Yeah. yeah horse is still pretty iffy. They stumble a little bit more. And they get fucking cranky and shit, you know. Yeah. It's got to suck. Yeah. So by 2 a.m., they only made it eight miles, and they're five miles short of the crest of the divide there. This has been useful. <laughs> so they slept for a few hours and had a hearty breakfast of raw bacon, hardtack, and cold water. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Now everybody has double diarrhea. Mm, that's the fucking oh. jack-in-the-box man breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Just a plug of chewing tobacco with a slab of raw bacon wrapped around it, dip it in your coffee, and down the hatch. I, I didn't even hear coffee in there. I heard cold water. Oh, yep. damn it. You'd have to chew the beans yourself and then <laughs> yeah. spit it back out. I'm so used to the thing where they always kind of made coffee because the water tasted terrible, and if you didn't boil it, you'd get the shits. So they weren't even caring about that, I guess. Yeah. Well, they're eating raw bacon, so they don't care about whether they have the shits or not. You know, 
So meanwhile, the Crow Scouts reached the top of the hill. In the light of dawn, they detect signs of a large village. Detect signs of a large village, such as seeing a large village <laughs> and the like... smoke emanating from the large village. Holy shit. And the, and the horses used to transport the large village, <laughs> kicking up a dust cloud worthy of a large village. No, I'm, I'm thinking like highway signs. Large yeah, yeah. village, three miles, <laughs> yeah, next yeah. exit. Uh, Farnham had blurry eyes from the lack of sleep, so they had to convince him. Uh, but he was convinced. He sent a note back to, to Custer with the Rickras, Red Star and Bull. Uh, they were guided to the column by fires, which, if you're trying to remain stealthy, is kind of a stupid thing to do. Uh, Custer got the note. Uh, he rode around bare-chested, issuing orders to leave at 8 a.m. That is the height of douchebaggery. Wow. Oh, he was fucking putining that shit. I'm, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm like p- no shirt, right? Putining, perhaps a Tarzan yell every once in a while. Like. <laughs> Uh, Custer then took the two Arikara scouts and rode to the hill to see the camp for himself. Custer got to the hill, but by 9 a.m. it was too hazy to see if, you know, but basically they saw a bunch of horses uh, through the field glasses, a bunch of dust. So they knew that there was something up. Man, that must have been awesome to be in that village, just smoke and dust. Just all the time. Oh, this is great that we're all together. <coughs> oh, God. So cool to have. So many different tribes. <coughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> so just before Custer arrives, though, the Crow saw Sioux, Seven Sioux ride off. Seemed that they were watching them, so they are kind of thinking that the Sioux are tipped off now. <laughs> Since there's been seven, I like to think that those seven guys were sitting there all night watching, watching people going up around. the hill, <laughs> down the hill, just sitting there like, stupid fucking white man. Finally, when the sun's up, they notice them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hey. So they told Custer this, but Custer refused to believe him at first. No. <laughs> the Crow Scouts advised immediate attack. Custer finally agreed. Uh, Custer remained on the hill for almost an hour studying the terrain. Immediate. Uh, then Tom Custer rode up with bad news. Indians have been sighted at their back trail. Mm. Uh, Sergeant rode back with four men to retrieve something he left behind. There he saw three warriors going through some hardtack that fell off a mule. Uh, see, I read about this one, except for the one I, the, the account I read, it was two kids that were sent to be an early warning for the village. And yeah, they they found uh, the hardtack and were eating it, but it was only two, and they, oh. and they were kids. Mm. So, but Maybe this that is, was the Cheyenne I mentioned before. Well, this is from an account. Uh, from the perspective of the Lakota, and I think yours is from an account from the perspective of the cavalry. So that kind of tracks. Two Mm -hmm. kids equals three warriors. (laughs) Yeah, that's how that works. (laughs) So they fired, and the warriors rode off. Uh, Custer gathered his officers. According to this, according to mine, once again, one of the kids was killed, and the other kid got away. Oh. So... So the day that they would spend kind of reconning would have to be scratched, and the seventh would attack. Miles away. <laughs> We're gonna be really fresh when we get there. <laughs> the heat uh, of the fucking day. <laughs> yep. Good God. Custer ordered 130 troopers to guard the ba- uh, pack train and ammo wagon, which is about 20 percent of the command. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Reynolds, the scout, chimed in. "Quote: I have been with the Indians for 30 years, and this is the biggest village I've ever seen." So, bye. <laughs> Custer didn't seem concerned with the size, just 
getting to them before they could scatter was more important. Captain McDougal slept in late, and he was late, so he got the duty of guarding the pack train. Oh, shucks. <laughs> it's almost like he might have been late on purpose. <laughs> oh, no. Slept in my alarm, man. Oh, stop. I forgot to charge my cell phone last night. Uh, <laughs> fuck, sorry. Oh, you're leaving? Oh, fuck. Oh, wait for me. <laughs> uh, some of his soldiers wept that they couldn't get to participate. Oh, God damn it. Wow. Uh, Custer saddled up his other horse named Vic for victory. Okay, that I, that, I can't shit on that one. <laughs> Better than what was the other one? Fuzzy bum, uh, snuggles. Yeah, something to that effect. Fuck. Yeah, there you go. That's a warhorse. Dandy. Dandy. Oh, oh yeah, snuggles. Snuggles, the warhorse. Uh, they stopped a little bit up the trail. Custer assigned command to different groups. Uh, Crow Scout, half yellow face, told him not to divide his troops and that there was too many of the enemy. But Custer wasn't in the mood to hear any dissent. Especially from no engine fella. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, you will do the scouting and I will tend to the fighting. Oh, what a How did that work out for you? <laughs> Let's take a brief interlude before we get into the actual attack. It's just so right. I can, I want to salt this with just a little more perspective on, you know, the workings of the mind of General George Armstrong Custer, actually, you know, Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer. So... Once again, from my favorite source material, the oldie but goodie uh, Time Life uh, Old West series books. Um, there's a small excerpt in the Indians uh, books. Volume. That have episodes. Volume. Thank you. Uh, just called Custer on Indians. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna read that real <laughs> oh, quick. So. The preface is, in battle against the Plains Indians, George Armstrong Custer was impetuous, merciless, and intent on personal glory. Yet when he wrote about them, he showed a subtle reflective side, and even some occasional, though grudging, flashes of insight into their predicament. The following quotations are asserted from his autobiography, 1874, My Life on the Plains, which I am remiss in saying that I've owned for like five years and is still not completely read. But I should get around to that. Fucking poser. I know, man. It just looks so good on the shelf. It's true. Um, If I were an Indian, I often think I would greatly prefer to cast my lot among those of my people who adhere to the free open plains rather than submit to the confined limits of a reservation, there to be the recipient of the blessed benefits of civilization with its vices thrown in without stint or measure. So basically, yeah, if I was an Indian... I'd, I wouldn't want to live on a fucking Indian. reservation. No shit. Yeah. Uh, stripped of the beautiful romance from which we have been for so long willing to envelop him, the Indian forfeits his claim to the appellation of noble red man. We see him as he is, a savage in every sense of the word. Not worse, perhaps, than his white brother would have similarly been born or bred, but one whose cruel and ferocious nature far exceeds that of any wild beast of the desert. Good lord. So there we just got some racism. Yeah. Just uh, just some little scorn. Fuck. And, uh, okay, and then finally, um, when the soil which he has claimed and hunted over for so long a time is demanded by this to him insatiable monster, civilization. Dun, 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 self-aware. There is no appeal. He must yield, or it will roll mercilessly over him, destroying as it advances. Destiny seems to have so willed it, and the world nods its approval. Manifest destiny, capitalism, Uh, yeehaw, America, fuck yeah. So that's, like I said, just a little bit of insight in before before we get into the 
the goddamn kickoff. Sure, yeah. You know. Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, during the halt, Custer ordered Benteen to take his battalion and move towards the bluffs. Yeah, take all our shit up to the bluff, Benteen. You fuck. <laughs> Basically, uh, Bag that's, boy. that's how Benteen uh, took it, because he was mad. He uh, kind of Custer tried to get him out of the way. He Custered him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't even have a doctor assigned to him. Damn it. Not even a pastry chef. Nope. Barber. And the day heated up quickly. Because it's fucking Montana in June. Yep. Most of the men took off their heavy blouses. <laughs> Titties out, boys. Titties out. <laughs> Well, it pretty much just means like the blouse, you know, it's just their shirt. Yeah. But in this time, they were mostly using uh, uh, leftover Civil War shit. So the blouses were generally made out of wool. Because what you oh, want to be great. wearing on the high plains great. in the middle of summer is some nice navy blue wool yeah. with some nice brass metallic buttons. Oof. That'll be cool. Yeah. So they were probably, degrees. you know, the tops would be like gray, generally uh, union suit, mm-hmm. you know, like long sleeve, but probably rolled up. And then their wool trousers. So got the. Makes me feel so uncomfortable. Oh, it's yeah. like my two least favorite things. Well, and then the fact that you generally are going to only bathe like every so often because you're terrified of bathing. Right. Don't forget that. So it's right. got to be an awesome, just uh, sensory overload of <laughs> pungent fucking taint and smagma. Yeah. No, know, it's, like, I mean, it smells and like. Plus horse sweat. And yeah. It smells just, like a, a fucking like bum encampment, basically. Mm, carnival. But it, make, it makes me think. It durian. Me of, it's industrial durian. scale durian. There we go. <laughs> industrial durian. Uh, no, it makes me think back onto um, uh, Mexican American War, where they're still dressed in the same shit, but yeah, it's yeah. fucking summertime in Mexico, and it's yeah. just like, why? Good shit. Why? Mm-hmm. So a little before two, they found another abandoned camp, and saw about fifty or so warriors riding away. Well, so, it's not abandoned if somebody just left it. Yeah. <laughs> Soon to be abandoned. So they thought the scattering has be- had begun, Ooh. so they wanted to hurry up. Scattering, is that like the opposite of the purge? Mm-hmm. This summer, the scattering. scattering. <laughs> it's that shitty uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> <laughs> or, or General Gibbon flings his poo. <laughs> <laughs> that, doesn't Ronald Reagan co-star in that? Yep. Yeah. Bonzo goes yep. to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uh, so they find two teepees in the camp. Inside were dead bodies. Of course, Custer ordered them to be set on fire. Of course. Not dead enough. <laughs> Burn them. So it had been two hours since he sent ben- Benteen. Benteen was supposed to be back in an hour, so he hadn't seen or heard from him. Uh, Custer ordered Reno to pursue the fleeing Indians. Mm. Custer said to engage them and that he would support them. <clears throat> But not an overall plan was made. Well, he's going to support him by like, yeah, go, Reno. Go. And Custer didn't send word to Benteen to come and help. Doesn't want to be around Benteen. Or he didn't send word to the pack train either, which was falling way, well, way behind. He doesn't need it because mm-hmm. he's a big, dick, cool guy. That's right. I can die without provisions. Got all the bullets he needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Reno had 175 men. Uh, Cook and Keo rode with him. And his nephew, Audie Reed, rode with him. About 3 p.m., Reno's battalion came within sight of the Little Bighorn after a ride of three miles. They crossed the Little Bighorn and watered their horses. Uh, Reno was seen drinking from a flask. Man, that's classic compulsive behavior. Wow, free beer! Which I'm sure was water. Totally, yeah. Had to be. Uh, His men alerted him that Indians were coming to meet him. And they weren't running away this time. 
Oh, and also, like, uh, we I just want to, like, uh, we mentioned Bloody Knight before, which is Custer's favorite scout, right? Mm-hmm. We are talking about him. Uh, one of these things before they kind of, like, split off. Uh, Bloody Knife had said, we'll find enough Sue to keep on fighting for two or three days. Custer had smiled. Oh, I guess we'll get through them in one day. So split it up. Go, Reno. Mm-hmm. So Reno, yell, Reno yelled forward. And he could see Custer riding on the top of the hill. Uh, Custer was left with 220 men and not many officers. Each company should have three officers. They had two. Uh, More importantly, they only had half their sergeants. Mm -hmm. Which NCOs are the backbone of the army. What's an NCO? Non-commissioned officer, like a sergeant. Like me. (laughs) And Sergeant Slaughter. And Sergeant fucking Slaughter. <laughs> and especially, you're not going to come out here and spit on the country where thousands... The soil. The thousands of military people that lay in them, in the, in the soil. Despite this, Custer was confident. Uh, only 15% of his men had less than a year's military experience. And he was with all his admirers, so Ooh. he was with his friends. Oh, big dick, cool guy, Custer. We're going to be so safe under you. We're going to kick so much ass. It's going to be awesome. Also, it should be noted that uh, Reno has not ever fought Indians before. Yep. He fought well in the Civil War, apparently, but this is his first engagement against Indians. Oh, that's a different thing. Yeah. Benteen was at the Washita. Yes. So Mitch Boyer and his Crow Scouts could see more of the village, and he knew that Reno was chasing just a small party of the larger group. Uh, Boyer reported that to Custer. Uh, 20 minutes later, Custer got word from Reno that they were not running, but coming to meet him. Custer decides to attack the flank while Reno attacked the front. Mm-hmm. Follow, basically, now he's following the ridge to the north. Trying to do the pincher move. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, like, the pincher move, if you're if you're using your thumb and forefinger to do the pincher move, and then you try to pincher a Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> So by this time, Custer was far enough north to see the biggest fucking village of Indians that had ever been seen by anybody. And he grew tumescent at the prospect of the slaughter and mm-hmm. the glory that laid in front of him. <laughs> that is a thousand-some lodges, so that is a big holy shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, dude. Uh, Custer sent word back to get the supply train. Figure average average lodge, at least four occupants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you see Benteen, tell him to come and hurry up. Which... <laughs> Uh, about a mile down the valley, Reno came to an open prairie to the 50 or so Indians that were in front of him. Uh, they galloped to and fro, making a cloud of dust, kind of obscuring them. Yep. And behind them were coming more Indians. And the closer the soldiers got, the more Indians they could see. Because they're riding towards a village of a thousand lodges. Mm-hmm. Then another problem, in a dry ravine, Indians were just pouring out. Fuck. <laughs> uh... If they continued at a gallop, they would go head first into the ravine. So now Reno could see the full village uh, getting ready to attack. Perhaps Reno's liquid courage was wearing off too, uh, or he knew that a charge would be suicidal. So he called a halt for the battalion to fight on foot. Uh, it wasn't quite 3.30, so it's a little later in the afternoon. Uh, two privates galloped straight ahead into the dust, James Turley and George Smith. That's a great idea. They were never seen again. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> so they advanced a few hundred yards, then laid down and sh- 
commenced a shooting. The officers walking behind him, cautioned him to stay cool, fire low. And most of them didn't either. And many rifles jammed after a few rounds, leaving the soldiers to pry out the shell with the knife. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's always been a long, vaunted chestnut of uh, one of the reasons, like, why Custer's guys lost, right? You're using the Springfield trapdoor. Um, it's before brass cartridges, so they had copper cartridges, so, you know, softer. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, in recent years, and I, I learned this for the first time when I was at actual uh, Little Bighorn, like the uh, Custer Battlefield or Greasy Grass, what, you know, it's now a national monument and cemetery. Um, they had wildfires there a few years back, and they were able to like find a lot more like shell casings that had been strewn around, where then plants had grown, and people you know it was pre metal detector yeah. and stuff like that. So they're able to kind of track more where soldiers were, and like what you know you can go by the caliber because those would be uh, what like forty five seventy. No, I, I can't remember what the Springfield shoot, but it doesn't really matter. The Springfields all shoot the same round where the natives had. A mix of shit. They had Henry rifles, you know, some Winchesters, some, you know, muzzle loaders, a lot of different pistols and stuff like that. But generally, you can tell, like, army munitions from native munitions. They have found so few uh, uh, casings with any kind of indication that anybody had to pry them out with a knife or misshapen casings and things like that. It's pretty much been accepted that that actually wasn't that oh. big of a factor. Mm, no shit. Yep. But that is, I mean, in a lot of the books written, because, I mean, they've been writing about this since it happened in 1876. Uh, cartridge was designated as 4570-405. There we go, 4570. I was right the first fucking time. I should always trust myself mm-hmm. until I'm wrong, which happens often. <laughs> uh, but uh, Not on this show. No, Outside no. of this show. Uh, but any which way, um, yeah, it's one of those that, I mean, I've read that a, do- uh, a ton of times, and I grew up, like, that was one of the things when you're bullshitting with people about Little Bighorn, you know, as, like, kids do. You know, Pokemon and Little Bighorn. It's the Pogs. Pogs and Pac-Man video games. Like, it's one of those things that I was like, oh, I probably got this. And it's probably, you know, back when I was younger, well, oh, the only reason, and uh, I was from that area, like, yeah. the only reason Custer got his ass kicked, you know, a lot of Indians, their rifles, their rifles were shitty. Nah. <laughs> but anyway uh, re-watching Reno's troops were Custer and Cook and Tom Custer all through field Tom glasses Custer, Con, Tom Custer had pom-poms and go Reno mm-hmm. they could see a large dust cloud to the south east which indicated Benteen's group in the pack train not far behind or Mechagodzilla yeah. Custer had his men rush half a mile to the north and then halted now Custer and Cook took off their hats and waved to Reno Custer said to his men, Courage, boys, we've got him, and we'll finish him up and go home. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't done jack shit yet. <laughs> we've straight up lost two guys already. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, Reno, that was Reno's guys, oh, so they yeah, maybe okay. didn't see that one happening. Yeah. But from here, they could see the full extent of the village, which, you know, a thousand lodges. Nah, it doesn't matter. Savage, whatever, bulldozer of progress, blah, blah, blah. So Anka Paduda uh, was no longer a warrior. But he was a canny strategist. He was fishing with his two grandsons when word of the uh, Washishus, the white eye, white guy, uh, um, he remained near the line of attack, encouraging the warriors. I love the idea of dude just like fishing, like yeah, boys, hey, get him. 
Yeah! <laughs> ooh, 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 fish on. <laughs> fish on. Oh, there's an old lady in this river. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, Good callback, but it's still depressing. <laughs> uh, Gall showed up after fetching his horse. Yeah, why is his name Gall? I don't know. You it's, don't know? Yeah, it's Gall. Well, when he was a kid, he I think he was orphaned. And he was, like, poor and relying on, uh, like, the charity of others. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're... All the families are going out hunting buffalo, and you don't have a family, and you're too young to hunt your own buffalo. You, you get what you get. And he was so hungry, like, he grabbed the gallbladder out of a buffalo, oh. which, if you know anything about a gallbladder, it's full of bile. Yeah. Which is that taste you have when, let's say, you've celebrated a little too exuberantly the night before <laughs> yeah. and called dinosaurs on the porcelain fucking phone. Yeah. Um, so he, like, snatched that shit off of a fucking buffalo liver and ate that. Oh. And so then people, were, like, helped him out. So, but that's, yeah, that's why his. They yeah. call. Wow. Yeah, but that shows you that this is a kind of a tenacious cat. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he gal- galloped north to the main body of the camp, where he found two of his wives and three of his children dead. So now he only had one thing on his mind, which is revenge. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also wasn't uh, we had talked about Gall anyway because he wanted revenge on what Terry from something earlier. Mm. Oh no, it was somebody had arrested Rain in him. The face. Rain, no. Rain. Gall had got arrested and stabbed with a bayonet. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was the one that was like, I'm going to kill that fucking cop. That and I can't, yeah. I can't remember which one it was. Was it Custer or was it... No, it was like Terry or it was... Oh, no, it was, was fucking... Ben, uh, not Boston wasn't Custer. wasn't Benteen. Oh, it was, was it Boston Custer? Tom Custer? Tom Custer. That's who it was. Yep. Yeah. Tom Custer. Yep. So, I don't know. He, 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 he wants... I don't know. He wants a piece. Oh, no. That was uh, the scout that stabbed him. Oh, the scout... Oh, it was Bloody Knife. Yeah, bloody. Oh, knife. he wanted he wanted a piece of bloody knife. That's oh, what it okay, is. Got it. Yeah. Jeez, God damn, we only went through the think. whole fucking cast of characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's like fucking Grant. It's Alex Trebek. So Inca Paduta eventually made his way back to camp after, after fishing. Inca, there. Inca Paduta. And while she tried to be a star, Tony always tended bar across the crowded floor. They worked from eight till four. They were young and they had each other. Who could? He helped get the women and children out. Uh, though they knew Whitey was around, they didn't expect him to attack so quickly. So it was kind of chaos in camp. Dust everywhere. Basically, gunshots were always high from the soldiers because they were shitting their pants. Yeah. Many warriors were asleep after a long night of dancing. Uh, Sitting Bull was in his lodge when he heard of the attack. Fuck Mouse Fuck Mouse he helped his nephew One Bull get ready for battle, giving him his own shield. Which I believe One Bull is the cat that also saved him earlier, like long early, like 12 or so years before at Fort Diltz where he got shot in the, I think, lower back or something. I think One Bull's the guy that came oh, and scooped, scooped him up. Gotcha. So Sitting Bull runs out and encourages his uh, counterattack. But Reno's men were still in good spirits. No casualties yet, except for the two guys that ran ahead. That's going to age like milk. (laughs) But after some 15 minutes on the line, the number of Indians increased significantly, between four or 500 or more, and he only has, what, 50 guys? Oh, fuck. It's shocking when, you you know, you have like a, you know, 12-man bench on one team and like a fucking (laughs) 600-guy bench on the other team. (laughs) So Reno tells them to go back into the timber and retreat to their horsies. And the men were already running out of ammo at this time, the 50 rounds at the... Men were carrying already gone. 
Crazy Horse didn't rush into battle. Uh, he was bathing when the shooting began, but he took time to put on his war paint. And like, <laughs> just thinking like, oh, la, 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 la. Yeah. bullets well, like flying through I'm the window. And shit. I don't even think of la, 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 la. He's just got like headphones on. He's listening to like fucking Motorhead and just like <laughs> put his paint on. Just real deliberately like scrubbing himself down with some of that fucking, you know, oh, this is man soap. Smells like pine tar and sass, yeah. you know, that kind of shit. Bends down to pick up his shoes and the fucking bullet just that right fucking over, past his head. Well, the fun part about his war paint, we've talked about his war paint in the past. Yeah. And then also one of his things, too, is he had a uh, pretty much most of a red-tailed hawk that he would affix to his head. So the, the whole Hollywood shit where it was just like one feather in your hair, yeah. that wasn't always the... He had a full on. Wait, he was the one that his war paint look, kind of looked like Ziggy Stardust. He had a yeah, fucking lightning hail bolt. Hailstones and a lightning bolt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's cool. Great. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, no, he's he's metal as fuck. That crazy horse, but he's also the guy that never let his picture get taken. So, artist so, artist interpretations yeah. vary. So he leads a group up the valley to meet the soldiers. Hi, soldiers. <laughs> I'm crazy horse. Want to fuck around? <laughs> In the trees, Reno couldn't see Custer and wondered where he was. And He's where was Benteen? Pax, um, dummy. It was time to fall back for Reno, though, but they didn't have enough trumpeters to alert everyone. Reno would try to go back to where he last seen Custer. Just picturing a guy, like, desperately trying to play a harmonica-like retreat. <laughs> <laughs> so now the emboldened Indians kind of grew closer. One round hit Bloody Knife in the back of the head and splattered on Reno's face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Then Reno men- ordered his men to retreat. At least the ones that hurt him. I and need he kind of freaks out. I need an adult. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, my man. So basically kind of leaves the wounded behind to fend for themselves. Well, this is also, you're saying like when they retreated the trees, they went back to their horses. Yeah, they got back to their horses. They didn't mount up. What they did is with, when it was common tactic. Basically, uh, U.S. cavalry fights not so much as traditional cavalry generally fight as dragoons. What is Dragoons? Is mounted infantry. You ride to battle. You get off your fucking horse. Oh. One guy holds horses. The rest of you shoot. Far more accurate, you yeah. know. And that's kind of what they did. They set up a skirmish line. But, you know, as the guys that are holding the horses are getting picked off, and then suddenly you have horses running away, well, maybe you you, you got more guys that need a ride out of there than yeah. have one anymore yeah. kind of ordeal. So, yeah. Huh? Yep, that's basically what happened. The panic spread to the rest of the command. Someone yelled every man for himself. That's always always the best thing you should do. (laughs) (laughs) That that helps everything. Yep. So men grabbed any horse he could find, leaving some without horses. This is fine. Then the Indian shot into him, kind of keeping about 50 yards away out of the range of pistols. Mm Mm-hmm. And once a soldier stopped shooting his pistols, the Indians rode closer to shoot at him or knock him off the horse with a war club. Yep, because A, that's cool points, you yeah. know. And also, you know, it's a fucking the Army single-action revolver, which re- requires you to eject each shell manually mm-hmm. and then reinsert each shell manually because they just got a little thing you flip open and there's like one hole. It's like pull, push out a shell and then put in your new shell, then click. You got to do that. That takes some time to reload. Like most modern revolvers, like you see on some detective show, you know, you just flick it out and the whole cylinder comes out. And you can even do these little clips that hold like six bullets. You put them in. Impossible with an SAA. So so death came swiftly and frequently. Yeah. I love that song. Mm -hmm. Slayer, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) One man was shot with an arrow in the back of the head. Ouch. and, And the corpse managed to stay in the saddle and galloped across the prairie. So that's got to be hilarious. Cool. So, uh, yep. 
Red Ghost Part Two. Fucking Red Ghost Part Two. I'm wearing the Red Ghost shirt. Arrowhead Horsey Man, Ghost of the High Plains. <laughs> Some of the soldiers rode into a Prairie Dog Village, and more than one horse stepped into a hole. Oh there. no, Walking Which, Star. Yep. Well, that and also it's funny. Get the uh, plague. Currently on the FX network, uh, there's that new show called uh, Res Dogs. Yep. And uh, the the one of the main protagonists, Bear, uh, runs into a spirit warrior who, you know, he's basically like an old school, like crazy horse looking dude on a horse with like the whole regalia, you know, the bone pipe breastplate, mm-hmm. the feathers and stuff. He's talking about, oh, I was I fought at the Little Bighorn. Well, I didn't actually fight, but you know, I came over that ridge all rugged like, like does like war whoop. He's like, then my horse, this horse, steps into a gopher hole, <laughs> squishes me flat. <laughs> so there's no real evidence of that happening. I'm sure it might have, but it's happening to the cavalry right now. All right. Heron so. uh, Dean, the scout, had his Harry Dean, Heron Dean, Dean Stan, had his horse shot out from under him and ran back into the woods. Where he found some other soldiers. Ah, soldiers. He saw Charlie Reynolds uh, get on his horse to leave. He said, Charlie, don't try to leave. But Charlie left. <laughs> and then Charlie got killed. And his horse was shot down. He knelt on the ground and was shot a few times before the Sioux round found him. Or I guess he got off his horse to shoot and then he got shot. I mean, they try to shoot for the horse, but generally, you know, this is all, all decorum is broken down at this point. Mm-hmm. So, but if they say form skirmish line, there was kind of a designated guy that holds your shit, and then everybody's supposed to be in an orderly fashion shooting because that's how you, that's how you overcome not having a repeating rifle is you right. line up and yeah. Steve shoots, then Eric yeah. shoots, then John shoots. Yep. So Heron Dean told the rest to stay in the woods and conceal themselves and hide like bitches. Hey, it actually does fucking if save a few lives that way. No shit. The Indians all agreed it was like a buffalo chase. Pretty easy. Hey, it's great. <laughs> Hell, they don't even have horns. We should do this every Saturday. Yeah. Uh, the warriors chased the column into the Little Bighorn. Indians on the east shot them while they were in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, also when they when they crossed it the first time, they're going downhill, and now they're trying to leave the Little Bighorn going up a hill. Mm-hmm. That's less easy. Less easy. Women and children who hadn't left plundered and mutilated the bodies. Which. She's not supposed to do. Yep. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the vision. Mm-hmm. Not supposed to. Uh, Sitting Bull rode up to an interpreter, a guy who was working for the Whiteys. Uh, he was a Lakota called Teet. <laughs> wow. Uh, he was shot, but still alive. He told the guys, leave that man alone. He's a friend of mine. And Sitting Bull gave him some water and rode off. But a hunk papa woman named Eagle Robe, she shot uh, him in the head. Oh, and then behind him, the women mutilated him and drove a picket through his testicles. Oh. Cut off his penis and stuffed it in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, that's how you do it. That's for the pussy headbands, you motherfuckers. Yeah, right. Yep. Except for this is another hook papa guy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That was working. Well, yeah. he's kind of, you know, turncoaty, I guess. He has a terrible name also. So the little bighorn was, uh, the river was now red with blood. Dead troopers floated in the water. So the Lakota started fishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You caught that old lady? I caught yeah. her, too. Uh, about 4 o'clock, the exhausted battalion reached the top of the bluff. Uh, Captain French got him to form a skirmish line. 
But by then, the Indians have already begun to withdraw. This is from Reno's end of things. Yeah, because they're, well, the thing is, okay, they got to the top of the bluff. That's where you lose momentum. Like, oh, shit, now we got to chase these guys up the top of the bluff. That's really stupid. You wouldn't do that. So they didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so about half of them make them up to the bluff. 29 men and three officers lay dead in the valley. 20 others were missing. Those are probably the ones hiding in the woods. Uh, ammo was low for Reno and no other soldiers in sight. And the Indians were withdrawing and heading north. What do you think that was? Oh, because somebody else was coming north. And what are we saying that time-wise, Tony? This is the perfect place to take. I think it's perfect uh, theatrically and time-wise. It's, it's actually oh. perfect time-wise. It's an hour and ten. Fucking right. A. So, what will become of General George Armstrong Custer? He's about to start his attack. Will Reno find more bullets and reinforcements? And whiskey. And whiskey. <laughs> will Benteen give a shit about what's happening? Uh, what else? All that more. What are the other questions? All that and more on the next, uh, what is this show? How the West was fucked. Uh, anyway, see you next week. We'll go out and hail a gunfire like most of Reno's command. That's right, baby.